Welcome to the Career Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Orlando Haynes, and here is where we provide actionable advice for your career and life. Stay tuned, lock in, let's go. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Career Talks podcast. We are on episode 65. I figured I'd start keeping count since we're, we're doing this for real now. So, <laughs> but super excited, <laughs> super excited to continue to bring you uh, outstanding guests with new perspectives, uh, really to provide you actionable advice for your career and your life. But before we get started, let me just share that this episode is sponsored by the Career Accelerator Planner. It is a planner designed for you, the corporate professional, so you can track your wins, your performance, uh, all in document everything you need in corporate America. So when it comes time for those crucial career conversations around merit increase salary, you hear me say it from time to time again, you're documented all in one place. And yes, the digital copy is coming very, very soon. Uh, but this is the physical. So you can head on over to the career accelerator planner dot com again, career acceleratorplanner.com. So super excited. I have a good friend here who I met. Um, it's, has it been a year or more uh, at a PARW uh, conference, which is Professional Association for Resume Writers and Career Coaches here in Tampa. Uh, I had the pleasure of being a guest speaker. And then uh, after that, we sat. I sat at the table where Angie was and we just sparked up a conversation one thing led to another we collaborated collaborated and continue to collaborate uh she is the founder of the career benders podcast and coaching um i guess you could say coaching program or co organization uh she's also the founder and let me i wish i had a drum roll the founder of the first ever national career coach day that is huge she just launched it last week uh, that was amazing. I'll let her share more about that. Uh, she's an award-winning resume writer and coach. Let me bring on my good friend, Angie Kellen. Yay! There's your belated drum roll, if you can hear it. <laughs> Absolutely. How are you? I am doing great this morning, as always. Excited to sit down and chat with you because I feel like no matter what the subject, we find some good stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah. We just We just go for it. Right. It's almost like uh, no, no, no whole bars. It's just oh, exactly. No bars, whatever. And you I'm also glad it. that you're now keeping count because this is a legit podcast. I mean, the whole I'm sitting here going, man, I need this. Like we don't do video for no more Mondays, but I'm like, man, this has got like the legit little graphic video and everything. And look at this. Nate already thinks we're on fire. We won. We're just going to hang it up now. <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, super pleasure to have you on. Uh, we've collaborated in the past, but I'm so glad we were able to do this now on my podcast. Um, share with folks more about who Angie is, career benders, the podcast, the business, the entrepreneur. That's a lot of things because yeah. uh, there's kind of two parts to me. I, one, am super entrepreneurial, which is how I approach my career coaching business, but I've had a lot of ups and downs and changes in my own career journey that kind of inform the career coaching side that I do as the outlet 
for my entrepreneurial endeavors. And the quick skinny on that is I started my career as an engineer almost 20 years ago. Actually, it is 20 years ago because my 20 year college reunions in April. We're not going to talk about that right now. Uh, And I knew in college it wasn't what I wanted to do. But when you go to expensive engineering school, you don't change your major when you're a junior. And I did that for like eight years. And in, in the and when the Great Recession hit, I decided that was a great time to go change my career. And I went on an exploration. It was very unplanned and probably made some very poor decisions. And uh, But it got me to kind of where I am today. There was a seven-year period in there where I also landed very unexpectedly in the nonprofit sector and spent about four and a half years as the executive director of a grassroots organization that had a ton of potential nobody had tapped into. And this is where entrepreneurial Angie went, oh, now it all starts to make sense. So it took a lot of experiences and actually being in a place to finally, in hindsight, realize why I didn't have career direction when I was a top student in high school, coming out of high school, trying to decide. I didn't have, I didn't have, I wanted to be when I grew up. And a lot of things clicked, made sense. And I knew coming out of that experience, I wanted to get into an entrepreneurial endeavor. And it made total sense. Uh, like I, I stumbled upon the career specialty of, of life coaching, mm-hmm. which I would say was kind of, emerging. This was five years ago. It was emerging. It's full-blown emerged. The pandemic helped us with that. Um, and it just, it, it, it clicked. Like I, it, it smacked me in the face and I was like, that's it. I know I have a perspective. I know I have a voice to offer there. So I just went full force. I didn't look what anybody else was doing. I was like, I can do this. And I just kind of dove in. And because I love business so much, I'm constantly trying to find, <laughs> find ways to take over the world of career coaching. <laughs> Like pinky in the brain. <laughs> may or may not be the vision for career benders. There's that. But um, yeah, career benders is my company. We specialize in kind of boutique one-on-one uh, career coaching as it pertains to kind of all walks of life, specializing in kind of mid-tier professionals, executives. And then I do some entrepreneurial employee to entrepreneurial transition, since that's like mm. a special focus and special love of mine. But in our effort to take over the world, we founded National Career Coach Day, which I selfishly made my business incorporation day of January 8th. Um, And if I needed to make career coaches and resume writers worlds any more insane in January, I did it. So um, it was super fun. We had a whole week of events last week of which you were part of and were a big hit, by the way. And uh, so I look forward to kind of building on this momentum as we explore where that'll go. And just to kind of further raise, raise raise awareness around, you know, kind of what we do, because it has it is becoming an increasingly more important and significant aspect of kind of job searching and hiring because of shifts in like recruiting styles and methodologies and all that kind of stuff. So um, the goal is to kind of affect everybody and impact everybody involved, whether it's coaches in business mm-hmm. or clients uh, benefiting from that impact. Yeah, I see that getting um, as big as, you know, Sherm events. It could be super, super. I love your vision for National Career (laughs) Coach Day, and I'm hoping you're right. (laughs) I mean, it's never been done. So you got the resume writers and you got different. um, You see, I hear a little bit of an echo. Do you hear that? No, I'm good. Do you? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. How's that? Is that better? I'm I'm channeling Jim, my podcast producer, who you love to hear. Angie, you're too far away. Angie, you're too close. Angie, you're too loud. Let's see if that's a little better. I also have headphones I can put on if it if that would help. Nope, uh, it's gone. Okay, cool. So yeah, so when you have you got the CD, what is it? CDWI, and then PARW, and then all these other um, centered around resume writers, but and Mm -hmm. career coaches grouped together, but there's no breakout career coach one. 
which I think is huge. Yeah, professional resume writing has been writing. professional resume writing has been around for years. The yeah. career coaching component and add on to that. And there's some coaches who write resumes. I do both. There's a lot of people who do one or the other. Yep. The career coaching component really has has risen in popularity and and invisibility in the last several years. And um, I think there's a lot of benefit to career coaching because sometimes I think we get blinders onto our careers mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. the professional trajectory we're on. And out, an outside perspective can be hugely significant to kind of resetting it for better satisfaction and gain or whatever the outcome is. So with you being, uh, again, not only a podcaster where you talk to a ton of professionals, uh, you're a business owner, entrepreneur, uh, you have several streams that you're doing, uh, but you talk to a lot of people. So what are you seeing now as we talk about the topic, the career economy? I need to coin that. I don't know if that's been out there yet. But <laughs> Let's own that Let, yeah, Absolutely. Um, and I, I actually love, sometimes I think I was, so my dad was a math teacher and he was my math okay. teacher in high school, which is why I went to engineering school. Cause he's like, and you're good at math and science, go be an engineer. Okay. And sometimes I would, I think I may have been destined to be an economist. Cause I think it's fascinating, especially as it applies to the hiring landscape, the labor market, and just what we do in our career paths, as far as like economy drives and informs it. So when you yeah. said you wanted to talk about this, I was like, oh, fun. Because I send out a <laughs> newsletter every month, shameless plug. I send out a career newsletter every single month. Um, and it really does focus on the economy of hiring. And I look at labor and statistics and um, the Bureau of Labor and Statistics and see what's happening in actual markets and mm -hmm. apply that to kind of what we should all be thinking in our minds as job seekers. And, you know, my predictions for this year, we've been in a really strange pattern for the last two years. Mm -hmm, and it mm -hmm. and, and, and I and it's very similar to what's been happening in the housing market, yet sometimes equating it and using the housing market as an example is a little bit more tangible of, yep. of an example to use. You know, in the long run, 12 offers $100,000 over asking is an untenable thing to maintain and sustain in the housing market, especially for real estate agents, but they probably feel a lot like I do as a career coach for the last two years. But also it's that's if we want inflation to get into check, we can't have that kind of stuff happening very similarly to really bloated offers uh, over kind of market value that we saw over the last year and a half that I think became the norm in our psychology as job seekers. And now that we're not seeing it, it gives the perception that the hiring market is bad when all it did was put itself in check. And we needed that to happen if we don't want, if we ever want to have eggs on our grocery store shelf again, <laughs> although that's the bird flu, <laughs> but if, or not pay $12 for a gallon of milk, right? So we needed all of this to kind of settle in and go into, and, and kind of, and, and kind of normalize. Because in my opinion, what I have seen for the last probably two to three months and what's kind of shaping up now look a lot like the before days as A. Martinez mm -hmm. on NPR likes to call it. And that was still a great market. Hiring has been strong for the last five years. We're just not going to see 465,000 jobs a month created in 2023, right. but that doesn't mean we're not seeing a positive creation. Correct. Correct. And I like the analogy because I use the same analogy too with the housing market, supply and demand, things like you can, your sweat equity in the property, whatever it is, you may think it's worth a certain amount, but then it's really valued on what someone's willing to pay for it. So sometimes when we come to the inflated offers, on the housing side, we're seeing inflated offers on the, you know, the career side too, when people are coming in asking exorbitant amount of money 
And at my first thought is ha- have your skills elevated to match that level of ask in this short period of time. It maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, but you know, kudos to those who who capitalized mm-hmm. on that, but it's not it, it is not sustainable long term. Yeah, and we've shifted back into a more balanced hiring environment, yep. and I actually think in a good way because before days, I would say we were very high, very um, employer favored. Mm-hmm. And then the paradigm shifted all the way 180 to, holy cow, we've got 18 months of a candidate market. And now I would say that we're kind of swinging into the middle. We've shifted back a little bit towards employment, especially with some changes in restructuring and a little bit of downsizing that's happened in reaction to some overhiring mm-hmm. over the last uh, year and a half, or you know, big pandemic-driven business objectives or business initiatives that didn't pan out for some of these large companies, right? So I look at some of the changes happening in companies and the L word layoffs being really more... Um, a factor of business decisions, whether it mm-hmm. is business initiatives, hiring decisions where they may have brought on too many people. I think it's more driven by that than it is. Holy cow, we're about to tank into a recession. Right, right. So they're, they're doing it. And correct me if I'm understanding this right. Uh, anticipation for what might come. Uh, and so they're reacting now, especially when the big tech companies do it. It's almost like you'll see companies just follow suit. Like, OK, if they're seeing something. Yes. Let us let us let us prepare for our, for our small area. Yeah, is real. Yeah, those trillion got trillion dollar behemoths are doing it, and we're a hundred million or yep. whatever billion dollar brand. Let's let's follow suit because they're seeing. You know, they have this crystal ball that we don't see at, at some point. But yep. uh, and that's that's a danger, right? Because you you kind of pollute the the market a bit, and now when you have time, I forgot who made a post. It might have been a recruiter named Joel. It said, um, <laughs> it says company lays off. And then two weeks later, we're hiring. Where are those recruiters that we just laid off? <laughs> like, uh-huh. what? <laughs> Especially because in in 22, I can't remember what year it is. In, in the spring of 22, the most sought after role on the market was recruiters. Yeah. And now all of those recruiters are like, where are my jobs? And yeah. I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that kind of idea of the bandwagon, right? If Amazon did it, all 10 companies need to do it. However, it's really interesting that I haven't seen that play out in mass really and this is a right. good thing so uh bigger companies tightening belts uh trimming the fat that they probably shouldn't carry around their waist anyway is what mm-hmm. i usually say and it's more of like i would say a proactive measure than a reactive measure to kind of just reduce the cost of moonshots and stuff that they might be pumping money into and isn't returning anything but what i haven't seen is that that widespread trickle down into mid and small bit small tier tech companies, what I have seen is the mid and small tier pull back on hiring slightly. So they're not necessarily cutting staff, but they might not be hiring in that boom mentality that they were last year. Right, right. That's true. So as we, right, and I talked to some folks prior, and they're talking about we're still seeing the sustained layoffs going into this year, probably mid-year. Like what what are you hearing, uh, even from clients that you talk to? Are there, are there some fears out there? What do you What do you think is happening based on your reading? I think that there's there's fear. I mean, if you're living in fear, you need to make a change. Let's just mm-hmm. blanketly say that and call yeah. me, okay? Uh, I will say that you know what I am seeing is we see the fear mongering of widespread layoffs. I haven't seen that. It seems to be fairly isolated to those larger companies. And then is is trickling down as a pullback in hiring in mid to small. 
That said, if if you are not where you need to be or where you want to be, it is time to make a change regardless of the factors at play. There is no perfect time to job search. And whether that's external economic factors that we can never predict, or it's an internal factor of like, oh no, I'm two months pregnant. Why do I can't go search for a job? Yes, you can. If you're not where, if you know you're not where you want or need to be, then it's time to make a change regardless of the factors at play. My thought, my thinking there is you let whatever you know at the time impact your decision-making process and make sure that as far as you can tell from the factors available at the time, you're making the most solvent decision possible so that you don't put yourself at risk in kind of like three months. Um, and I think if you are actively upskilling and you know working to show the value that you have to your current employer, you can probably reduce the fear of a layoff a little bit. But if you go to work every day fearing a pink slip, you need to go find another job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and I think I wonder if some if we have uh, still still and I'm sure we do, but I have, you know, haven't done a survey or seen any research that some job seekers are still out there thinking there's a silver bullet. One silver bullet will play, whether it's the LinkedIn profile or the the resume or suggest networking that will get them through the door or are they resting on their laurels because they have, you know, 15, 20 years at this level and they're thinking, what? They, they gotta love me. They, mm -hmm. you can't look at my credentials. So how are you educating job seekers on that to be like, Hey, the, the playing field is not the same anymore. Here's where you need to change. It's, and it's been this way, even when it was a candidate market last year, mm -hmm. It has been job seeking has needed to be should be a very strategic effort. And that's been the that's been the case for the last four or five plus years. And there, in my opinion, there is no magic bullet. However, you have a magazine of magic bullets that, uh, you know, eventually if you fire all of them, you're going to hit the target. <laughs> and, uh, and, and to me, that means having a really targeted search strategy, having materials that align with that strategy and meet current best practices and expectations of the hiring process and of recruiters and talent acquisition today. Yep. And then if all you're doing and you know, Orlando, shameless, shameless plug, Orlando and I went deep dive into this last week for National Career Coach Day. If you're not activating a network, you're missing a huge boatload of opportunities. And if there is one thing in a job search that can be a game changer, I think it it is the idea of bringing humans into the fold. But ultimately, when I talk to a job seeker who's like, I've applied to 100 jobs and I've gotten one call, I'm like, mm. okay, clearly the resume isn't working for you, but that's probably only 40% of the problem. We need to improve the rest of the 60% of the process and all of that together will equal 100% of the results in the overhaul and turnaround. Say, say that part. Say that again. Say that again. I, I think so. <laughs> those that are watching now may miss it and catch the replay. Uh, the breakdown. Say that one you're, more. Uh, you're uh, you're putting me on. I'm terrible at repeating things because it just comes out, and I'm like, I there know, was what a, are you sixty? <laughs> yes. So if if your job search is not going the way you want it to, evaluate where the hangup is. However, that hangup, for instance, if you've applied for a hundred roles and gotten one callback, your resume is not working for you. However, that is not the single magic bullet in your magazine. You've got five or seven more, right? So. Uh, if, if the resume isn't working for you, you address that, but then addressing the other 60% of the process is where a hundred percent of the 
uh, turnaround of the pro of your results comes from. So again, there isn't necessarily a magic bullet or one part of your job search process that's going to fix results if you're not getting them. It often takes attention to the whole process start to finish mm -hmm. in order to land where you want to land. I, I like what you said about the networking piece because I, I want to quote um, this gentleman by the name of Kevin D. Turner, who I saw uh, a post from him yesterday or from Claire M. Davis. He says, networking always beats not working. I was oh, like, woo. That's <laughs> good. Like, whoa. So basically saying, yeah, the network piece and what, and he was speaking to the leveraging of, uh, of LinkedIn and the platform that it's a networking tool, like make it work for you. It's a if hugely, it's, hugely yeah. underutilized networking tool, by the way. And it's mostly all absolutely. free. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I wonder, um, and we talked about this before, cause I can, we can go in different directions all day. Um, with you said about, uh, you know, the silver bullet, 60, 40%. What do you say to those folks that are fearful? Because you see a lot of information now coming about content creation, right? Mm. And I wonder if they're thinking, hey, do I got to be a YouTuber to find a job? Do I got to be a TikToker to find a job? Like, what, what, what do I need to do as a job seeker to leverage the platform? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, and I'll add to that. I also see there's people fear content creation, but they also fear they're also vulnerable to the exposure of social media, especially mm -hmm. people under the age of about 30 who have been posted on Facebook since they were came out of the womb because of their, yeah, you know, Gen X parents who were so yeah. excited to have a social media platform. So I see a lot of resistance there. And in my opinion, there's exceptions to this. If you're in the world of content or media, the, diff the answer is different to what I'm about to say. But for your general professional, Leverage LinkedIn. Presence on LinkedIn is going to be a game changer, and it's going to be 30% of that 60% change in your results. Uh, in my opinion, uh, hiring managers, and actually, Orlando, you could probably either confirm or debunk the following. In my opinion, the employer side of the hiring doesn't lean on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube as much unless you're in a role that it should have a presence. Mm -hmm. That said, if you've got bad SHIT on there, you got to hide it and make it private because there could definitely be a bias to it. Yep. I think LinkedIn, something like LinkedIn provides an opportunity to get in front of the people that you want to get in front of. Um, and if, if content creation on LinkedIn is just really icky to you, ease yourself into it. You could start with uh, you know, I have this whole spiel about the levels of engagement on LinkedIn at the base. Hopefully you've got a profile with a picture on it because it is an integral part of your application package. But from there, you could either use behind the scenes tools as an outreach and communications to supplement a job search. Mm -hmm. But if you want to ease into being a little bit more visible, start engaging the network that you have and that you're building. Comment on some posts, four words or more. Um, add a funny emoji to something and have a, and, and start to find your voice by uh, engaging with other people's content before you then have to go think of your own. And at some point, if you want to share an article, share a thought piece of thought, Try it out. I have found that your authentic voice on LinkedIn is what resonates the best. That's how I got my first paying client. Yep. And I think that's a key point because some folks may th think, who do I need to be in order to get the results I need that I want, right? And it's really just be yourself because yep. I've never come across, uh, never come across a bad 
uh, comment engagement. Well, let, let me let me state that correctly. I had one person say something crazy, <laughs> which was funny. And, and we worked in the same company. I was like, I need to go to your leader because I'm like, you see what this I was like? He's see what he said. I'm like, you can't have him do that. I said, we work for the same company. It looks bad. So uh, but yeah, beyond that, never had a bad opportunity or uh, comment, question, statement. Uh, feedback, blowback, anything from anything mm -hmm. I put out on, on LinkedIn. It's just not that platform. That is the Facebooks and the IGs of the yes. world, for sure. And but even if you do it. have, you don't, there aren't trolls on LinkedIn. I am right. continually impressed that even with the introduction of hashtags, which I adopted kicking and screaming on LinkedIn, and the occasional meme, because it ain't it ain't a social platform without it. It ha LinkedIn has done a great job of maintaining a level of professional content and engagement. And so you don't have to worry about, I'm going to say trolls so much. And so mm -hmm. if you get a, a, the other side, I'm not even going to call it a negative comment. If you have a, a, a differing opinion or point of view on LinkedIn, to me, that falls into no press is bad press. Mm, that's good. That's good. Here's some stats I learned. Uh, Ooh, just okay. yesterday, um, and I'm, I'm gonna botch it up a bit, but when it was compared to LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, the activity, and they were talking about content creators getting out there. Um, I think YouTube has 300 and some odd million, they talked about podcasting as well, but LinkedIn had roughly what was it 300 or so active members uh-huh it has one post. it has like 1.5 billion users which is like a fifth yeah. of the freaking planet and i think like around 30 to 40 percent of them are actually engaged yeah so it's That's a very it, it is but compared to the the amount of users it's a low bar for those that are actively exactly out content huge opportunity yeah, and that's either, and they even went further and said it's either they look at it as whether someone posted once a month or once a week. Oh, and then we get into number. frequency. Yeah. And my yep. big, my big thing there is, did you just call me AC by the way? No. Oh, I thought you. Because I, I, I had this. Uh, I thought you. I thought you referred to me as AC. So I had this um, FedEx guy. You can. You can. You could call me that. I had this FedEx guy who used to call me AC because I was just too cool. <laughs> Anyway, I think maybe I maybe I need to embrace that. But to me, LinkedIn is about consistency. So if yeah, it's once yeah. a week, make it once a week. If it's once a, once a month, make it once a month. The important thing there is to just keep up, plan and commit to a level of activity you will actually stick to consistently because that's what builds. Um, it builds the visibility. And I know it mm -hmm. seems strange to think about like, okay, what's the point of this? The more people looking at you, the better. It's basically like you're standing in a networking event and people want to come talk to you versus you having to go talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I'm going I'm to do a shameless plug too for uh, my my ebook. It's called Build the Presence. Uh, yes. Right there on my profile. Go ahead and check it out. It talks about exactly what we're talking about, how corporate professionals can kind of start beginning to create content. But mm -hmm. to, to that point, one of the things I think about too, like in this analogy may be a little funky. I, I know you like funky analogy. So uh, I love a good dad joke. <laughs> going to an event, right? People are drawn based on who that headliner is. When I go to an event, I'm drawn based on who the one, who's the person that put it together. Cause I think they're the person who's most networked um, in that, in that location, right. Or for that event in the background, they did the behind the scenes calls and reached out and, did, yep. and drew the people, got the person there. So I'm not looking for the headliner, so to speak all the time. I'm looking for the person who put that event together. 
because that that network is deep for that one person who mm-hmm. drew that many people to the table. So it's like be that kind of person uh, in your career where you can become a resource to so many other people. Yeah. My MO, anytime I go to an event, and this is partly because it's strategic and largely because I am an extreme extrovert, mm-hmm. is I work my way into the inner circle. <laughs> So if it's a conference, by the end of it, you are besties with the organizers. If it's a meetup, by the end of it, the person who hosts it is uh, is now knows everything about you, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes because you can listen to them, right? So it's not all about telling them about you. It's just kind of like work your way into the influencers in whatever environment you're in, whether it's virtual or in person. It's funny because that's how we met, right? Yep. <laughs> at the At the event, I said, no fluff. I said the word fluff and the room was like, <gasps> it's because it's all resume writers. And Angie was like, what? What? It kept going. I was like, oh, man, I, I'm like, the door's too far away. I don't think I'm going to make it out of here alive. <laughs> I was like heckling in the back, yeah, you know, yeah. Statler and Waldorf back there. But and then I, then we sat down at the same table and it was yeah. like, oh, wow. It's what it's. And that's what I think is so fun is you never it. If we talk a little bit about in-person networking, I think on one side, if you're trying to be a job seeker who is maximizing your return on investment of time, then LinkedIn is a great resource because you can be really targeted and strategic with kind of how you prospect on LinkedIn. If you're an entrepreneur or you just want to build a professional network that will play out at some point, in-person networking is an amazing opportunity because you never know who you're going to meet, which is also why it can be not a waste of time, less, a a less return on your time investment for job seekers, but you never know who you're going to meet and it helps you hone your pitch, right? So you can get out there, you can try out, Hey, this is who I'm trying to be. This is my brand. How is it received? Yep. There's value with being in the room. People got to understand that Mm -hmm. whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes. And I think when you go to like a job fair or things like that, you, you don't have to be there the full full hours. Why? Right. And unless you know someone's doing a, a, a full interview right on the spot and it's just saying job offer application process there. But like you said, st- strategize what your plan is. Know the companies you want to hit, honing yep. your pitch, network a little bit for another 30, 40 minutes and get out of there. Well, and, and if we talk about career ec- economics, mm-hmm. economics has more to do than just your salary. What are you what type of return are you getting on your activities? Yep. And I, that's a, so when I have people that are going to go to because one of the cool things that I think came out of the pandemic is uh, job fairs are a thing again. Yeah. And, and in a way, they almost never were because we all knew them in college, um, military transitions. There's career fairs, but there never were necessarily career fairs out there for already established professionals. And they've cropped up. Uh, in the last two or three years, largely virtually and some in person. And my, and if you're going to, if you're going, I think they're awesome resources to leverage, but if you're going to be strategic about it, look at the list of companies, see who's there, see who you want to go visit, prioritize it so that you can go visit booths. Because a lot of times if you're they're on your hit list, they're on somebody else's, there might be a line. Um, but, you know, think through kind of an action plan for it instead of being like, oh, I'm just going to go and don't discount other attendees as possible members of your network. Yep. Meet some people. Absolutely. They're just as valuable as the people at the booths. Absolutely. Huge. Yeah. Re- remote work. Uh from Oof. an employer from a re- from an employer standpoint. You hear terms, you know, uh things like it's it's coming back, it's here to stay, but there's a lot of folks being driven back into the office. So what are your thoughts? What do you think? 
my observations. Well, I have thoughts as a business owner and I have observations as a career coach. My thoughts as a business owner is I do understand the desire to have people in your in 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 places you've invested in and in office spaces and I still think, and again, going back to my very extroverted nature, there is something about in the flesh human connection that isn't always completely replaced by remote, you know, remote communications. That said, as a career coach, and my observations are, this is remote work is largely what candidates want. Mm-hmm. There are some people who came out. So it's it is funny though. There's a small subset of people who came out of. Um, the two, two and a half years of remote that said, holy crap, I thought I wanted a remote job and I don't want a remote job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're looking more at hybrid, but they want the autonomy and the flexibility, I think across the board is the case. And I think the challenge that we have is candidates are demanding an environment that is ha, ha, came in, came in like a lion and can't leave. Um, at this point, we've proven as candidates, we have proven the ability to manage remote work and even at a more productive rate. And I think the I think the rub comes in when after two and a half, three years, I've done my job remotely and you're going to force me to come back to an office. That means you have no respect for what I've done for you over the last two or three years as an employee juggling kids at home for schooling and all the other things that came into play. And that's where I think the cultural shift on the employer side needs to kind of be a little bit more flexible, because let me tell you, a year ago, I, I had it was there was a two or three week period where the number of Angie, it's an emergency. I have to talk to you <laughs> came in and I'm like, what's going on? They want me to go back to the office. Right. It was, and and, I, and in all doing. of those situations, we either went and found yeah. a new job or we negotiated a long term full remote. Right. So it's I think that there's an awareness that needs to happen around what employers should do to build a culture and a work style that supports what the the candidate market wants. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to attain and retain top talent. So to that point, though, right, there was the surgence of remote opportunities because of the pandemic. It forced it. Yes. Yep. Do job seekers still have that leverage to hold out and look for that because that window seems to be closing? I think more it's it's still larger than it ever was pre 2020. The amount of remote work out there. And and I am also encouraging people that if the job says it's not remote or says it isn't hybrid, you have you do still. That's one area we do still have to negotiate, especially if you are very desirable top candidate or, and you position yourself that way, it is possible to negotiate that kind of stuff at, you know, depending, you have to know your, you have to know your audience and your environment. If you're a process improvement manager for manufacturing, you ain't going to be remote. However, um, if you have a role or it's a company whose offerings are supported by remote work, then you do have that leeway. And in some cases, I know this is going to sound crazy. In some cases, I actually, for people who are like, I, I function way better in an office, I'm like, you might need to be open to remote or a hybrid role so that you have more opportunities out there, depending on kind of mm. your landscape, especially a technology. They've, they've moved largely remote. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of from the employer, again, and understanding the dynamics of folks that are in that space, uh, I'm not sure how many employers you talk to. Are you f- hearing that maybe those that are in position of power 
that are in favor of remote but can't go against the grain for whatever reason, if that makes sense. Mm. So anything you've read, reports, anything. I haven't. I need to dig into this kind of a little bit more. Um, and I, I do think that I, th I would say the dust has settled to to some extent on mm -hmm. the let's go back to the work environment we had before. And there aren't going to be a lot of those new shifts coming up. I think that people with giant office space have to get create companies with giant office space have to get creative on how to like leverage it or how to get bodies in there. Um, you have to rent some out for the, like a WeWork <laughs> type model. Yeah. I, well, the irony of WeWork is that that model might actually become more popular because, and, and, but then also it's just so funny because I think that really it's like, you can't please all of the people all the time. Right. Yeah. And so what you have to do is generally look at your workforce, their demographics and what they want, because mm -hmm. also there's generational changes. There's generational differences there that existed even before remote work had had this surge um, where like, you know, millennials want the flexibility. They want complete flexibility at the same time. They want to feel connected to a cause. It's there's yeah. so much irony there. Um, whereas I feel like, you know, I'm a young Gen Xer. There's some level of control we feel like we don't have if we don't don't have that kind of physical connection. So you really have to look at your demographics um, and who you're hiring. And and I I would say don't be afraid to take some sort of like, I don't want to say individualized approach, but a categorical approach. Like there's some companies, for instance, United Healthcare is a great example. They have certain functions of their business that they've moved fully remote and other functions of their business still have either a hybrid or a location-based work environment. That, yeah, that I understand going into it <clears throat> with, uh, you know, it's structured to where you're like, hey, these functions require it because it's a part, it's a face, you know, facing forward touch point with your peers or whatever or management team. And then there's these, there's a hybrid and these are can, IT, whatever can be fully remote, whatever the case may be. But I think yeah. if organizations, organizations adopt those three kind of methods, that may look more appealing for, for job seekers to know, hey, based on the function, it does require us to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, on site hybrid or remote i know personally for me i'm a hybrid person i'm not a fully uh remote person unless i'm running my own business then it's completely different right that's um, how i that's kind of how yeah. i operate too and i will add one thing all of this does provide a very unique opportunity for people who are willing to be hybrid or location-based because those application pools are seeing fewer candidates than fully remote options really yes hmm. still uh, I don't know if you remember at the conference, there was uh, one of the people on you, the panel with you was like a talent acquisition coordinator at a college. And she was saying yep. they were getting like 25 applicants. They weren't actually even fill, fulfilling their DEI requirements in their application pools for jobs requiring a boots on the ground presence versus yep. anything that they moved remote was getting hundreds of applications. That's still the case. And yeah. so if you're yeah. willing if you're willing, you can actually, you have options and opportunities that could open up. You could go in higher up the ladder and you could potentially look at uh, a better career change options if you're willing to explore local roles. So what do you say to that for folks that are kind of steadfast and like, look, I want remote. I know my area, my city is not is not having that level of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Do I consider relocating? for a remote role? Does that make sense? Ah, 
I would say in those situations, keep the job search as tight to your as tight and in line to your experience as possible. If you're a customer success manager, go look for CSM or senior senior CSM roles remote. Remote plus career change is a challenge because you are fighting quantities there. And unless unless you network, you can get your foot in the door. There we go back to that that word. Um, But to me, I like. I take like a life centric approach to career coaching and say, where do you want to like, where, what do you want your life to look like mm-hmm. first? And that includes where do you want to live? And if you're in a place where you want to be, then I would say design your career and design your job search around it. It might just have to be, you know, keeping options open or being a little bit more flexible, or it might take a little longer. So that definitely, uh, I can see how that plays into your engineering thought process. Cause that sounds like a reverse engineer. I want yeah. this, 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 this. <laughs> Does it land where I need to be or do I need to move? What what pieces do I need to move to make it happen to align for that? Case in point, <laughs> I wanted to live in the middle of nowhere in Colorado where I could ski 60 days a year and I forget out how to have a business that supports it. <laughs> you, you can do the same. It just sometimes takes creativity. So are you coaching your, your clients vastly different two years ago to now? Well, in some ways, yes. I would say from a process perspective, it's still very similar mm-hmm. uh, with some changes based on how the landscape has shifted a little bit with remote versus non-remote versus greater opportunities if you're in person versus not. Um, what has changed is I have to I have to give a whole lot less therapy. Mm. Cause man, that was rough. And, and it's also like job searches aren't, I mean, job searches were taking four to six months in 2020. And now, you know, they take like averages, average market averages, four months, mine take like three. So, um, people are seeing faster turnaround, which is a lot nicer, which means I have to give a lot less emotional support, which is fantastic for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but from just a practical, I would say job search perspective, I would say it's a similar process with some nuanced changes. For instance, very, a very, very specific one that some colleagues and I have noticed just in the last few months is that resumes have gotten slightly more streamlined. And we're talking like 10%, not a whole overhaul of best practices, but those content rich resumes that we got used to have gotten kind of reduced down just a little bit. So like I've started cutting a little bit, 10, 15% content out of resumes. So there's some, Mm. there's, and that, that is because the amount of candidates has gone back up and people are having to kind of like review a little bit more, at least that's my assumption. So there's some nuances and some shifts that have changed in each step of the process. However, in my observation, the overall life cycle of job searching is still the same as, as it's been the last four, five, six years, where there is a strong presence of online jobs, which is fantastic. But if you lean too heavily or um, exclusively on it, your job search will take a little while yeah. if you bring the networking piece in other opportunities can present themselves. So with that reduction in, in rich content, is that from also reducing the number of pages? What shifted or is that an ATS thing? What is that that you had to reduce that? It seems as if so ATS are still a thing. And I don't think they're going to go anywhere because in those really large application stacks, there still needs to be some sort of automation in it. I, I think the amount of human review has actually increased a little bit, which means we need to pare down the human side. Because, you know, resumes are a dance. you got to appease a computer filter who is parsing your data so that you can be parsed favorably. 
but you also have to appeal to the human who's going to read it. And if you overplay the computer, the human's going to read it and go, holy buzzwords. But if you simplify it too much to just give the quick hit to the human, now you don't have enough content for the ATS. And all of that seems to, as ATS evolves, has evolved and gotten smarter, all of that seems to mean we can put just slightly less content in it to still appease the computer. Whereas we had to play a little bit heavier on our keywording and just amount of content in order to play the game. Mm -hmm. And now we don't have to. Um, I had a really good analogy. Somebody gave me a really good analogy for the ATS system. Um, it's a lot like SEO. Okay. And if, if you've got really good SEO, you're going to land on page one. Mm -hmm. If you've got meh SEO, you're going to land on page 14. It doesn't mean you don't land. It doesn't mean you don't exist. Just nobody's going to see you because you're on page 14. Right. And so we still have to do that so that you can be on page one and the human will look at you, but you got to make sure you're appealing to the human too. AI, chat <laughs> GPT, the new thing uh, that's coming to the forefront. Is that a resource? Is that a takeover? Is that a hindrance? Do you mean for candidates or do you mean for the process of writing resumes? Uh, both, actually. Okay. So I'll start with the resumes. In my opinion, I'm just going to tell you right now, Jasper AI, no, Jarvis. I always call it Jasper because of Iron Man. Jarvis is amazing. Jarvis. If you're if you are a content creator, Jarvis will game change your life. That said, in my opinion, in the world of resumes, it still takes a human to figure out how to tell the narrative that will appease the human and stand out to the human while understanding the tricks of the trade and the best practices that are going to make sure that you land on SEO page one in order to get in front of that human. Um, it, I think that there is too much variation and you could you could potentially use AI to write a resume, but it's going to be very generic and lack a certain level of, of personalization. So that's where I see it there. Um, I haven't, I have not yet to see where it's going to, I'm going to say disrupt for lack of a better term, the job search mm -hmm. process. It's funny because you, you'll have, um, who was it? Um, was it Patrick, but David, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He runs a mm -hmm. YouTube channel called edutainment, massive channel, well, two, two or so million followers, but that's He's big. saying, yeah, it's it's definitely big. He he's stating, you know, when these these big social media presence folks say something, and I think they're just knee jerk reaction. They're saying like, "Yep, this is gonna disrupt and wipe out all these different types of people." Like, how do you? We're, we're still getting to know. We're still getting to understand Bitcoin and all that stuff. So how are you? How are you just randomly blatantly saying that? Yeah, and I think so. So where that comes into play is more about the the landscape and makeup of the actual job market itself, not so mm -hmm. much the job search process. So I think all of that, it's, it's, it's weird because in some ways, 2020 to now we've jumped forward a lot with evolutions in technology. And for instance, like remote work progressed for five to seven years over what was mm -hmm. predicted simply because we were forced to. However, outside of that, I think that we're on we are not moving at breakneck speed at the rate where robots are going to replace humans in the workforce. And so right. I think what that allows us to do is really create an outlook that says, where is the industry moving? It hasn't moved yet. Where is it moving? And how do I align my career path to align with what I believe is going to happen in the future? 
And I think as part of that, it means leaving yourself some flexibility so that you don't have a tunnel visioned goal that leaves you so focused that you can't take a right turn when it presents itself. But I also think the need to continually upskill and learn new things is going to be critical to making sure you're positioned when those shifts start to get a little harder and faster. And you know what? I love this. Uh, another analogy I heard from my my pastor. He says the, the way you have to just look at life overall is like an on-ramp going into the highway. You have to merge. You have to be in flow. You have to be up to speed in order for it to work. So I think we, with our career, with our life, same thing, especially with the career, with the evolution of what's happening, this career economy changing. If you're not on-ramping in the flow, which in the speed at the level you need it to be, you will always feel like you're, you're, you're falling behind. Mm -hmm. So just merge, get yep. on and merge. And ultimately, there's not going to be less traffic. Right. There's going to be different cars on the road. Correct. Like less, fewer gas vehicles, more electronic, electric vehicles, right? Still same quantity if we're playing in the analogy world I love so much. Yep. And to me, that means making sure you're positioned to adapt to that if you're in a role that ends up being automated. That doesn't mean you have been replaced. It means there's a different type of job available to you um, because this is automated, but that automation, the fact that that automation exists and was created, created a different job somewhere else. Yep. So it's, it, it isn't to me a net gain or, or loss. It is a shift in makeup. And if you can upskill and leave yourself adaptable and learn how to merge, you'll be able to go with the flow as those, as those slowly come online. Yep. So if you're, if you're a diesel type of person, be open to the hybrid vehicle. Be Better open go get to some, the soy. Some, <laughs> <Right>? some soy. <laughs> be open. You see the evolution happening. So uh, let's shift. Let's shift. Let's talk about what do you see for um, your podcast going into this year? What's some exciting things that you're going to do with that and National Career Coach Day? So podcast is no more Mondays. And I told Orlando earlier this morning, literally at like 6 a.m. when I woke up, well, I woke up at 5. So at 5 a.m. when I woke up, sitting in my inbox was our trademark. So I officially Ooh. own a trademark for no more Mondays. Uh, so that's exciting. And I think really my goal, so over the last year, we've gotten really focused about consistent releases mm -hmm. with uh, with the podcast, which I think has been amazing. And podcasting is such an interesting animal because it's, it's fun to have these conversations, but it also plugs you into a, like a community that you wouldn't necessarily be connected with otherwise. And I think what I would like to see this year is kind of the next level of guests. So we've got the founder of Hydro Flask coming on, um, which is fun for all of uh, my little outdoor loving friends out there who have those really heavy metal water bottles that are Hydro Flasks. He's coming on and, um, and, and really focusing on stories that provide people like actionable advice with the inspiration. So that's what we're doing kind of on No More Mondays. And then, you know, I have a whole three 362 days, I don't know, to plan National Career Coach Day next week and what or next year. And I would really love to see that go to the next level as far as other people hosting events and webinars. And, you know, over the next few years, I would love to see that evolve into kind of, I've always envisioned this idea of like career summits. So yeah, having kind yeah. of career summits, either in person or virtually based in different regions and, and getting um, allies and partners on board who want to kind of host things equally to me. Cause I don't, I don't need to be the face of all of national career coach day. I just want to enable 
the the visibility and awareness and to have other people doing kind of what we did this week. We had huge responses to all those webinars last week. So if we had you know, a hundred career coaches out there doing the same thing, you know, we would have, we would impact like 10,000 people. How cool would that be? So that's yeah. really where I'd like to see that go. Uh, and uh, we won't go into depth, but we talked about what you're going to do with that content. Is that still, still on, uh, on the table for you? We are working on a mechanism to get all those webinars online. Uh, if you attended, you get them free. There might be a nominal charge to get access to them uh retroactively so we're working on that so stay awesome. to stay tuned but awesome. one of the things that we are going to do coming out of uh the success of that webinar uh series is create a monthly series and uh so coming in february i we're going to actually do an interview workshop and i'll always have a partner with me um so that we can continue kind of giving people that those resources and kind of free job search advice and um and just growing the network and is that going to be like uh, mock interviews for the guest or how's that going to, what's that format? Uh, what I envision is a little bit more kind of interview strategy and best practices, okay. which is how I approach interview um, interview preparation with clients. It's more about almost communication skill building than yep. it is, you know, how do we self-arrest and get you through an uncomfortable situation? Although sometimes I've had to do that too. Um, <laughs> and so kind of working on interview best practices and tips. And in February, we should have a, a good uh, kind of the height of that new year interviewing cycle. So it should be pretty timely. So keep, keep a lookout for that should be coming. I'm going to say within the next like three to four weeks awesome. and we'll get, we'll get info out on that. Um, and would love suggestions on what people want to see out of those things. And I'm, I'm thinking we're going to maybe deliver those via LinkedIn live. I just got to figure that out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that, that'll be really good. Yeah. Really good. You kidding? Yeah. You got this. Yeah, I you love tech. So <laughs> yeah, you got this. We'll figure. I know we have the ability to. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of putting it all together. So yeah, we're it, always it up to something done. over here, much to the chagrin of the people who help me and work for me, and are like, Angie, can we not do anything new this month? <laughs> what's, what's the point of our existence? What are you talking about? There's the eternal <laughs> entrepreneur in me. I have an idea. Literally, Jim, my yeah. husband, I'm pretty sure has an off switch when he hears, "Hey, honey, I have an idea." Yeah, that's like no, kick I'm in. shocked. I'm gonna smack you. <laughs> Look, Jim, you just gotta you gotta put a time limit on it. Past nine o'clock, no new ideas can be talked about until the next. Oh uh, well, I go way. to sleep at nine oh seven, so my brain okay. stops working at about nine o'clock anyway. And any idea I generate is probably terrible. <laughs> awesome. So, where can folks uh, find you? Consume your content. Let's direct them to to you know to the world of Angie. Yeah, I do a lot here on LinkedIn, and I'm tagged in Orlando's post, so I'd love to kind of see you here. Uh, otherwise, we're all kind of on doing all the things. So on social, at CareerBenders. Uh, you can also visit us online at CareerBenders.com. We have kind of an outline of all of our services there. You can book a free session with me. If you feel like there's some individualized support you could have as you plan your next career move. Uh, but otherwise, uh, and then obviously, no more Mondays, wherever you get your podcasts. Download it, consume it. Phenomenal. Uh, I forgot the last guest uh, I started listening to. I'll, I'll send you a message. But I was like, oh, wow, this is some good information. I forgot who it was. Oh, it was the. Um, did you have someone on that was French or I can't remember. I've had a couple British people. Yeah. Uh, Limor is in Israel. Yeah, we are like totally global. Yeah. Okay. 
So, and, and we try to kind of like, we've done lots of stuff on like imposter syndrome lately and like mm -hmm. the psychology of your job search and stuff like that. And really, you know, I, I am, have apparently become known for my never ending opinions on everything. Clearly I shared lots of them today, <laughs> but I try to bring that kind of into no more Mondays and make sure that we have people who are giving you kind of like actionable takeaways, because that's my thing is practical, actionable yep. coaching. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Angie. Uh, you. you know, I'm always here hundred percent to support you, whatever you need. Uh, just shoot me a message and you have me there. So, um, what gets you up? Last question. What gets you up? What's your mantra? What keeps you motivated every day? I am motivated by pursuing potential. Mm. And Love whether that. that is the potential that I think I have or the potential I think career benders has or the potential I think you have as a job seeker, it motivates me to help people achieve outcomes that align with the potential that they may not have already tapped into. Love it. Love it. Well, we're going to leave it right there, folks. There Appreciate you tuning in and we will see you Thanks, on the next episode.